You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is December 21st, and... There's not a whole lot of news to talk about, but I thought we could gather, because it's the holidays, hold hands, talk a little bit about the five stripes, pay each other some compliments, and just try to end the year on a good note. The MLS draft is going to happen tonight. I'm not including it on the podcast because, frankly, it hasn't really resulted in a lot of good finds for Atlanta United the past few years. There are some exceptions. Julian Gressel, Miles Robinson... Aiden McFadden could be, Tristan Traeger could be. But, you know, the draft is not ways that most teams are built anymore, at least in soccer. So we'll see what happens there. I I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta United doesn't trade its pick. If they don't trade, I imagine they'll go for a generation of Adidas talent because it's easier on the salary cap. Now, the bit of news that we did get this week is the schedule came out yesterday. So you can begin to plan your road trips. It's um, I was a little disappointed, to be quite honest with you. I had hoped that Atlanta United would get to go to Austin and would get to go to Minnesota. I really, really would like to see those two new stadiums, but neither are on Atlanta United's list of Western Conference opponents. Neither is expansion team St. Louis. It's... um. You know, it's a good schedule. Atlanta United doesn't face a playoff team until its sixth game uh, when it uh, hosts Red Bulls. There's no more than two road games, no more than two home games consecutively throughout the schedule. The end is a little bizarre. Uh, You go working backward from Cincinnati, away, home, away, home, away, home, away, home. So back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, as far as Western Conference opponents goes, it could have been a lot more difficult. Um, the only te- two playoff teams that are among the Western Conference teams that Atlanta United will face are LAFC and Dallas. Colorado didn't make the playoffs. San Jose didn't make the playoffs. Seattle didn't make the playoffs. And Portland didn't make the playoffs. Dallas will have to see if they're going to be any good because they've gotten rid of a few players. LAFC... Uh, should be pretty good, though they have a lot of contracts out there that they haven't finalized yet. As always, it's going to be a 34-game schedule. We're going to get to some of y'all's questions about that in just a minute, about how to better balance it out. There are at least six nationally televised games, Fox FS1 or Fox Deportes, 
The remaining games will be streamed on the new subscription platform, MLS Season Pass, on Apple. So if you get the subscription, you can watch the games wherever you are, wherever you have a phone, a tablet, a laptop, or a TV, if you choose to buy the subscription. Of course, this is going to be the first full season under new president Garth Lagerwey and the second full season under manager Gonzalo Pineda. And there is going to be a little bit of pressure on both to turn around the fortunes of a franchise that didn't make the playoffs last season for just the second time in three years, second time overall. I asked y'all for some questions, and we're going to get into those here. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Doug Robertson. You can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for Atlanta United supporters and listeners to this podcast. Right now, you can get six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. Breaking news, sports, politics, all of our newsletters for less than a buck. So go to subscribe.ajc.com podcasts for six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC. That's subscribe.ajc.com podcasts. It's worth knowing what's really going on. As always, you can find me on the Twitters at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. I'm actually about to move to Midtown, so if you see me out and about, feel free to come up and say, hi, dummy, and maybe I'll buy you a soda. All right, so let's go to the questions. Working backward, Henry, friend of the podcast, says, hi, how have you been? Long time no see. Well, I'm good, Henry. I hope you're doing well. I'm getting ready for a move. I'm sitting in a recliner right now as opposed to my dining room table because my dining room table is covered in boxes and cups and books. His second question, what might be some of these short-term, long-term things we'll see with Loggerway as CEO? Well, uh, the short-term will lead to the long-term. I think you're going to see an buffing up of the scouting department, particularly the analytics department, to try to better identify maybe some lower cost acquisitions that can be a little more impactful than some of the signings made the past couple of years. Lagerway said he is a giant believer in analytics. Seattle invested heavily into it when he was uh, president of soccer operations there. Atlanta United does have an analytics department. It has one data person. It has a few scouts, but I think they're going to get buffed up there and we'll see if it pays off uh, with any benefits. We obviously don't know yet. They've only had 
one signing, uh, Derek Etienne, a free agent. They did um, extend Brooks or Brooks Lennon got a new contract with the team. And that's really been the only personnel moves that the team has made. I would not be surprised to see a lot more moves happening next week. Uh, perhaps moving some guys who have some higher salaries like Moreno, possibly Alan Franco. Mateus Uzetu, I don't think is going anywhere because the team picked up the option on his contract. And Emerson Hyman is still kind of a wild card out there. Henry continues, do you think the team is going to use the 4-2-3-1 formation they ended last season with, or do you think Pineda will try to get them working on a different system? Well, they don't have a lot of center backs right now, so I think 4-2-3-1 will be what they go with. Of healthy center backs on the roster, they only have Alan Franco because they traded George Campbell to Montreal. Miles Robinson is coming back from an injury. They didn't pick up the option on Alex DeJohn. Um, Noah Cobb is going to be coming up for Atlanta United 2s and competing with the senior team, but we'll see if he gets any playing time. So right now, because of numbers, I think it'll be a 4-2-3-1. Henry continues, with the whole Guzan documentary series and the whole he's not done yet thing, we know Brad will be sticking around next season. Well, we've known that. I've been telling you all that for a year. What sort of role will we realistically see him in? Starting goalkeeper, goalkeeper depth on the bench, mostly a locker room figure. No, he'll be a starter. If he's good enough to start and he wins the competition, he will start. And right now, there's not a whole lot of uh, other choices. Going back to your third question, I forgot about Juanjo Parata. He will be on the team, so that's another starting center back. Um, but I think that Atlanta United will try to find a goalkeeper to learn from Guzan and kind of pave the way, and we'll see what happens. Fifth, what are your thoughts on the pictures of the potential kit leak? Do you like it? So for those who don't know what we're talking about, Apparently, a store in England may have put out Atlanta United's next primary kit a little too early. It looks very similar to the very first primary kit, the one that was dubbed the Five Stripes, I think by Rob Usery first, and then followed uh, down the line. Instead of black, red, black, red, black, this is red, black, red, black, red stripes. Um, I like it that that kit has probably been my favorite primary kit, the first one compared to all the others. I had heard through the grapevine that the new primary kit was going to be similar to the very first primary kit, kind of going back to the basics. I'll be curious to see what color shorts they wear. I've, I'm always a big believer in, I like white shorts with red and black kits, going back to the AC Milan days. I understand if people like the, the black shorts, though. Um, anyway, we'll know soon enough. It's supposed to be unveiled I believe when they host uh, Toluca in the American Family Insurance Cup on February 15th, I would not be surprised if it doesn't come out long before then because that is what happened with every single kit. Chris, who I think is a new question asker in the podcast, so thank you, Chris. Do you think any MLS team will want to trade for Joseph? If not, where do you think he will end up? It's an interesting question. I do think someone will trade for Joseph. I don't know if Atlanta United will get what it wants. There are a couple of teams that need some players, uh, that need some strikers. Colorado keeps getting thrown out by Matt Doyle as a, a landing point for Moreno. So maybe they do a package deal with Joseph and Marcelino Moreno. There are other teams that could use a striker. NYCFC could use a striker, but they have not made a move for Joseph yet. 
Orlando possibly could use a striker, but it'd be weird for him to go to Orlando. I do think that a move will be made. I just don't think Atlanta United is going to get what it wants. And if he doesn't go to another team within MLS, I think he'll probably go to Liga Emekis, possibly on a loan and loan for a purchase because he still hasn't shown that his knee injury is, is – he's back 100% from his knee injury. Chris, who I think is also a new friend of the podcast, asks, are there any clues to the new kit? Well, we answered that one. Um, he and Chris likes the consistency in the schedule this year, he says. And he says he appreciates the coverage of the team. Well, thank you again. If you want to see the possible new kit, you can go to MLS UK show on Twitter, and there's a photo of it there. It's kind of plain Jane, but I, I like it. It's got a gold collar, gold stripes. It's missing the star, but that may be just because it's a late edition. Nick, friend of the podcast, says, I hope I don't miss the pod. You haven't. Thanks for your coverage as always, and congrats on moving to Midtown. I'm very excited about it. What would you do to balance the MLS schedule similar to a European league? Well, that's going to be tough, Nick, because there are way too many teams in Major League Soccer compared to teams in Europe. So, for example, in MLS this year, you're going to have a total of 29 teams. To have a balanced schedule like Major League Soccer would involve having to play 46 games. That cannot happen because of Liga Emekis and because of the playoffs. Now, if you wanted to dump the playoffs and do home and aways and the team with the most points wins, I would be fine with that. But that is a lot of games to play. The easier, more American solution would be you don't play any teams in the Western Conference. You play 28 games in the East, home and away for all of them. Then you have perhaps an expanded playoff where you start matching up East against West. So like, uh, let's say you do eight teams, from the East, eight teams from the West. The third team in the East will play the eighth team in the West. Kind of that kind of a bracket. That might be a little bit better. I really don't like it. I'm just more whoever has the most points at the end of the regular season should be champion. That's why the NBA playoffs and the baseball playoffs and the NFL playoffs, not NFL so much because they only play, what is it, 17 games now, but the the NBA and the baseball playoffs drive me crazy. Well, I play 162 games if you're then just going to have playoffs. It doesn't make any sense other than the owners want that money from the ticket sales. It seems like if the regular season gains more impactful, there might be more ticket sales there. But I'm just a sports writer. What do I know? Continuing. DKB, friend of the podcast, sent a photo with a kit with some questions. Thoughts on the Campbell trade to Montreal and the return. Now, those who've listened to the podcast know I really think George Campbell has a lot of potential. I think he's going to be very good. He's already unafraid to take the ball forward. Y'all keep saying that he's slow. I don't think he's slow. I think he's inexperienced. And with more game time, he's going to get a lot better. To get nine as much as $900,000 in GAM for him compared to what Atlanta United paid for, paid for a guy like Darnington Nagby, I think it was a really good bit of business for Atlanta United. I do think that in the end... It was smart to get a percentage of whatever transfer fee he's going to get sold to because I do believe he'll end up in Europe at some point. It's just too bad that he isn't going to get to develop with Atlanta United. My opinion on Alan Franco to Brazil rumors, I think they're pretty solid. I think 
He'll end up getting moved. It's just going to depend upon if Atlanta United can get some return on the investment. There was a really funny tweet put out by a uh, account in South America saying that Alan Franco had no serious defensive errors statistically for Atlanta United last year, and that's just not even 100% correct. He had a lot of errors at the beginning of the season. He got uh, really steady in the middle and final third and then had a couple of errors at a couple of the final games. But, you know, it's going to happen. He played a lot of minutes last year. The more you're out there, the more likely you are to make mistakes. Which match on the new schedule are you most looking forward to since there is no St. Louis or Austin or Minnesota? That's a really cool question. And I think about this every time the schedule comes out. It's kind of like Christmas. I look forward to figuring out where might we go, what's going to be fun. And really, a lot of the old reliables jump out uh, to me. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Uh, going to Nashville is always a good, good time. I would really like to get some time in Toronto because I never got to explore the city. That would be a good time. I love Chicago, especially in May. If I go to Orlando, I get to see my friend Gary. Uh, going Montreal is a beautiful city. Going to Seattle, August 20th, that's going to be a perfect time to be in Seattle. Um, so that, that'll be a fun trip too. A couple that I don't really care to go to, Dallas and Frisco, not a lot of fun. Philadelphia in early October will be a lot of fun. So it's a lot of good trips. Just a little bummed about, you know, no Austin again. I might just have to go to go. Fourth question from DKB. If you were Miles, would you sign the four-year deal that has been rumored to be offered? It's not rumored. It's definitely offered. Bocanegra has talked about it's been offered. I think he wants to see what the market does with guys like Aaron Long before he commits to the contract. And that's just good business on his part. Thanks for the pods. It's been a while. Well, thank you. John asks, why does MLS continue to butcher the schedule in terms of getting teams to play one another as frequently as possible? His opinion is they should play everyone at least once each year. He's not excited to see the three repeats from the West on the schedule this year. I agree with you. Atlanta United has played Seattle a lot, has played LAFC a lot. It hasn't played Colorado or Dallas a lot, but those are games that don't really tickle anybody's fancy, I guess. Um... MLS has got some uh, some work cut out for it. We'll see. And then Emilio says he thinks he sees only the San Jose game as being the full stadium configuration. Is that subject to change? Right now, the team is not ready to announce the other full configuration games. So it's only Seattle. I would look for that a little bit later. I think probably once they get an idea of ticket demand. All right. And that is going to wrap up this Southern Fried Soccer podcast. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you all have a great holidays. As always, hug your loved ones, communicate with your loved ones. Y'all take care. AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. 
It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.